0: Well, hello, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am Lauren Brunswick. If we haven't met yet, hey, nice to meet you. Um, so, yeah, if we haven't met, this is kind of a weird f- first episode for you to listen to. Um, traditionally, I feel like prior to the last couple episodes, I'm really good when I have a guest on about, like, following podcast host rules. Like, you are obligated To say, like, welcome to the show. You're obligated to ask, like, before you ask any meaningful questions, you're supposed to say, like, so tell the people listening who don't know much about you your story. And I don't know if I have a bug up my butt or something, um, but this is another conversation for you this week that I just jump right in. It's like I've decided to ditch all the rules. Um, and so, when I say that "She Slays the Day" podcast is a behind-the-scenes look at two insightful women um, having conversation over coffee and just chatting about lots of shit, I mean it. So, I'll do my best to get better. Um, so, this interview with Dr. Lauren Kodike actually wasn't supposed or wasn't scheduled to air until about like mid to end July. Um, But as you'll hear, we kind of got off topic right away, talking about current events and the Black Lives Matter movement and racism within our culture. So first of all, one, you can't really blame me for getting off topic. Like, if you know anything about me, you know I can't shut up about soapboxes and things that I care about. So, you know. I was going to go there. Um, And two, naturally, I had to move it earlier. So the conversation is not just relevant, um, but can hopefully help others who are listening. Um, As if, wouldn't it be nice to think that if this episode were to air in mid-July, it would be irrelevant. (laughs) That's cute. But anyway, so we moved it up. So today's guest is Dr. Lauren Kodike. Um, With a background in professional cycling and extensive global, global travel, Dr. Lauren brings an unusually diverse worldview to her practice. Beyond her Denver practice, Dr. Lauren has launched a series of Nikau programs that cater specifically to female practitioners. Nikau Talks is a podcast featuring frank and inspiring conversations with female leaders from across the wellness industry. NICAO seminars are two-day workshops addressing the specific physical and psychological needs of female chiropractic students. Finally, NECAW retreats are multi-day service trips that invite students and active practitioners to engage with underserved communities and take time for self-care. In developing these initiatives, Dr. Lauren has pioneered the first nationwide program of chiropractic education that addresses the unique strengths and challenges of women in the field. So I really needed to make sure I read you that bio since again, I'm a dork who apparently doesn't know how to run a podcast, and we just skip over the whole tell people listening your story thing. But you get the point pretty quick. You're smart. I believe in you. Um, so before we jump right in, we're gonna do a listener highlight. Okay, so this one is five stars and it's from 457 JD Jibba Jibba Jimmy N N M N C. Um yeah. Look up that spelling. So it's wow, just wow. I'm about to turn 30 and should be graduating by 32. And you've given me and my husband so much to consider. We've been budgeting through school, saving and really borrowing as little as possible. Yet the end number is so scary. This podcast has reassured me that I am in the right profession and through hard work and giving back it is possible to live debt free. A couple of questions. Did you open straight out of school or associate first? What would you suggest? And if we decide on a 10 year income based repayment as we're able to write extra checks toward. Are we able to write extra checks towards principal? Thank you and keep rocking on. You're an inspiration. So I've told you that if you give me a short little question, I may not do a full episode on it. um, But if you do it in your review, I'll answer it. So my story is I did open straight out of school. Um, What would you suggest? Well, I would suggest you listen to your heart. I think we and that's kind of a bullshit question or answer. Sorry, it's a great question. Um, We have a whole episode devoted to whether you should associate or own. The gist of it is, is that I think we really make um, associating like this bad thing that is like, oh, you're not using your degree to its full extent. So you have to, um, you know, really listen to what you're being called to. Me, (laughs) I have joked before that I was such a cocky little whatever, when I graduated, that there was no way I could have associated for someone else because I knew everything. I knew everything. I knew more when I graduated than I know now. So um, that's what I did. But that's not necessarily what um, might be right for you. And then the 10 year income based repayment. Are we able to write extra checks towards principal? Um, That's a complicated question that is ever, ever changing, especially with our current day with covid and things like that like as of now as we look like um they're like i think currently still delayed until september on having to make payments um as long so right now with covid if your accrued principal of interest or of um yeah of interest is paid down to zero then extra money you give goes towards principal but no extra money goes towards principal until you've paid your accrued interest down to zero, and so you can go find your accrued interest on the website and things like that. Um, but thank you so much for the awesome review. I really appreciate it. I think you're an inspiration. Um, if I could figure out who the heck 457JD just SYM and NMC on iTunes is or Apple Podcasts, <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> that's how that's how old I am, guys. All right, so before we jump in, let's bring God into all of this as we listen and pray. God, for real, how many times do I have to say, what the heck is your plan here in 2020 in a prayer? Oh, Help me to continue to give up the need to know. My heart trusts you and the energy of all things that are playing out here. Help my head to do the same. Remind me when I get so caught up in needing to help out in all the ways and do all the things and learn and read all the things that many of these problems unraveling and are really coming into the spotlight in 2020 will not be irrelevant in two months, unfortunately. And that the work needs to be done internally, genuinely and thoughtfully. Help all those listening who don't know what to do next to just continue to trust their innate, that they have the answers inside of themselves and to listen to the supportive guides that you've conveniently placed in their lives to keep talking, uh, even if it feels like they're going in circles, um, that that talking sometimes is like a soup simmering and is developing its character and its depth. So continue praying and continue seeking answers that are all founded in love. Because that's, it's been the message said over and over again. We're here to love. We're here to love one another. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, people. So here is my conversation with Dr. Lauren Kodike. Hope you like it. If not, I don't know, then stop listening. Love you. How long have you been
1: doing the She Slave podcast?
0: One year. I th- Oh, shoot. I missed my one-year anniversary. Whoa. Oh. I mean, uh, I think right around our one-year anniversary is probably when um, Blackout Tuesday happened. Mm. And so, like, you know, I, I was talking to Dr. Tamara McIntyre about this, where when we, when I scheduled her to come on, I basically said in mid-March, like, do you want to come on now and you know obviously conversation is going to be around COVID or would you like to come in come on like the end of May when we're kind of done talking about all this and she's like let's wait until the end of May and so Mm -hmm. we were laughing as we're recording like yeah that was cute of us to think that we would be done with this but anyway so like right around my one year anniversary of the podcast um Uh You know, very much more important things kind of took the stage. So it just is kind of like, you know what? I don't know. And just social media is like the last place I want to be right now, too. Yeah.
1: Yes. It is certainly dose dependent. It's like, how long can I be in that swimming pool? Yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah. Like, literally, right before I got on, I might have started a, um, of Facebook war with my dad on like he posted something and I'm like dad I'm reading this as racist anybody listening like I am wagging my finger like dad you need to explain yourself <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah well I think that's what's so important right now it's like if we aren't able to own our own racial bias Mm-hmm. It's like nothing's going to change. Like the term white supremacist is no longer the crazy people in the suburbs. I literally
0: like, just listened to a podcast about yeah. that this morning on my run talking about um, what the term white supremacy actually means. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. But yeah. yeah.
1: Well, yeah. we've like, yeah, I think all of those terms are like being broken down and stretched out. And we're mm-hmm. starting to see ourselves and mm-hmm. all of them. And, and it's only, I think, in that self-inquiry that we're able to start to unpick the, yeah. the clear, like, what's what's so interesting about the United States is it's, it's not overtly hierarchical and caste and, like, society has its tiers, but it's more covert, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, it's so
0: like, it is that you're so like, cause you're originally from New Zealand, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So your yeah. impression is that we kind of like do a good job of hiding it.
1: Oh, we do a great job at hiding a lot of things. Like anything that makes us uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. what, we're the most medicated, addicted, yep. numbed out society in the world. And our health statistics are like through the roof, but the amount of money that we Throw it, it is also like it's like nothing makes sense and no one's asking any questions. Yep, and no, now, questions. now we're so incredibly uncomfortable that we're like, oh, universal healthcare would be really useful in the pandemic. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, um, it's funny because, in one sense, I feel like so you graduated 2010, right? So I'm yes. assuming you're we're a similar age. Um, I graduated, sorry, 2011. Yeah. Okay, I graduated in 2010. Um, And so I'm 33, and I feel like, you know, so when I was in college, Facebook got invented. Um, You know, and uh, I feel like I don't want to blame Facebook for our inability to have conversations, but like also it's just one of those things where how long have we been told to not talk politics or religion? And it's like, okay, I get the well meaning behind that, but. We've really not been trained on how to have conversations that make us a little uncomfortable. It's like don't look like that Minnesota nice thing that's right. on here, where it's just like, oh, don't make, just let them. And I think that's kind of where I got to. We were at a wedding a couple of weeks ago um, when the riots were like just started, and I think I had to have like three semi awkward conversations um, with people, you know who are my mom's age and you know, they're just like, it is too bad that, um, you know, obviously what happened, but like the way they're going about it. And I'm just like, mm, mm,
1: I'm just not getting
0: out. and I'm just like, I'm sick of like, not, if you want to say your opinion, that's okay. I respect it. I love it, but I get to say mine then. <laughs> so
1: yeah, I I think that's been like something striking since moving to this part of the world is I was back at home in New Zealand over Christmas and it was so refreshing to sit around the dinner table with my cousins that are 5, 10 years younger than me, with my aunts and uncles that are 20 years my senior and we're having all of these political conversations and the the understanding of world history from the 15-year-olds, the 18-year-olds to the ones that are my age right through. It's like, it's, it's such a well-versed, um, vocabulary and intrigue and curiosity. And that, that skill set to debate does not exist here. Yeah. And so we're now being like thrown in the deep end where it's like, you're going to hit your, now it's like, you're backed into a corner.
0: Yeah. Um, like, and now you're going to debate something super, super important. It's like, Oh God.
1: <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. We missed all the baby steps. This is like, you've been ignoring this so long now you're just going to be thrown, thrown
0: Mm -hmm. in level 10. Yeah, one of the, um, so I mean, you know, I was, I posted the black square thing and I have a lot of feelings about people who were against posting of the black square. I'm not going to step on that soapbox. But one of the things that I actually thought was the truest in like, I don't want to say attacking the blackout Tuesday, kind of, um, was someone saying like, why would you go silent when racists are so loud? And I was like, Oh shit, that's, mm, that's a good point. That's a good point. But you mm. know, it was just, just an interesting world we're living in right now. God. Yeah. And I
1: think that, that's, that's the, like the two step dance that Devin and I were speaking about last week when we were speaking to this, which was like, we have to transcend the right, wrong, good, bad, should, shouldn't. And it's like, God, we're all, well, ask me. It's like we're all trying to do our best to create more um, equality, more community, more heard voices, more of a harmonious place for everyone to to live in. And if it's a black square and then someone's like being like, why are you, pr-? it's like, ah, oh, we're You're just You're missing the point. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Like I get it. It's like, no, I didn't have all of like, I haven't been studying this for the last 10 years. I'm also late to the party. Like I've also had my head in the sand. It's like, and now it's not. Yep. And so like I'm showing up and I think the more we can hold each other in that light feels much more beneficial moving forward. Definitely does. I mean,
0: it's uh, you know, people have commented all over the internet and, you know, over just like how crazy 2020 has been and i think that um i have to be careful how to say this uh because obviously i'm not grateful for any of the shitty stuff that has happened well silver lining in it being dragged out and one thing after another happening like huge things is that it is i feel like it is forcing us to evolve like it's forcing you to not stay in the middle of the road and like figure some shit out, do that shadow work. Because I mean, like I think that if COVID would have been like, Oh, March and April were really uncomfortable. We would return back and like, and we were just kind of back to normal life. 99% of us would have missed the opportunity and just returned to normal.
1: Yeah. Well, I, th- I think like, imagine if you walked into a bus. And you never knew, like you didn't know it had any frame of reference of what that is. It's like you would walk in there and it's like people are yelling and there's blood and it's messy and people are like stressed and then there's moments of silence and then it erupts again. And it's like, oh my god, you would think the 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 world is ending in that right. room, but we but that's birth. Right. And then if we think about the gestation period of the nine months prior, it's like oh the baby is just so sweetly you know growing <laughs> side of mama and it's like how do we know that that hasn't been what the last 10 20 30 years have been like that we've just been gestating for this moment in time and for us to look around and especially with the philosophy of chiropractic like I think that's a match for us and how to navigate the world if we understand that our major premise is that there's a universal intelligence that coordinates all matter, all the time, always unwaveringly perfect. And then we look out our front door and consider that something's gone terribly wrong. It's like, and there's the chiropractic separation, like there's the subluxation within the chiropractor. And so how can we walk in the world right now, seeing the intelligence and being with Being with what's happening while also at exactly the same time holding the highest perspective of the vision of what's possible for humanity. And that intention alone pulls us through the birth canal. If the mother didn't give birth knowing that in X amount of time she's going to hold this sweet bundle of joy, where's the fuel, the courage to move through those really difficult periods of labor? And so I think right now it's like we absolutely have to hold the highest vision possible for a new way of being in society, Mm -hmm. knowing that that will be better for everyone at the same time as not checking out, not distracting ourselves from really, truly what is happening. Because what is really, truly happening right now is extraordinary and is incredibly intense. And we need to, it's like Gandhi, right? It's like, be the change you want to see in the world. Black Lives Matter. It's like, where's that in me? As a white woman from New Zealand, plunking herself in the United States, how many excuses do I have to check out right now? This isn't my community. This isn't my culture. And it's like, bullshit. Do I feel superior because of the color of my skin? Yeah there's an aspect of me that absolutely feels that and that's how i've walked in the world. Mm-hmm. and so if i don't own that because that's in my country that's in new zealand our indigenous cultures like white skinned people were absolutely held superior and have been for like how like centuries we've had white supremacy and so it's a now that it's like, we need to, as white people, like racism, I believe is a white person problem. Yeah. We, we are. Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. And
0: I don't have, um, I can't disagree with it. I like, I have, like I said, I, that's just more of like a, Oh, cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, what, Glennon Doyle's book. Have you read mm, it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah her chapter on race was um sure perfectly timed like holy cow I mean I think she talked about how her editors asked her to remove that whole chapter um I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering right like they didn't really want it in there it seemed like it didn't fit like um and she says something along the lines of like how much she hates that racism is inside of her yes, and that like admitting so much of us like the term am learning all these terms gaslighting of saying like mm-hmm. I'm not racist the racism doesn't exist and all of that is like the best things you can start to do is go like no first of all like yes it is wrong to be racist but like you have to admit that like this was programmed into you. She brings up the analogy of like, you would watch the news that was just like shocking black man arrested, black man arrested. Like, you know, this isn't new. And then it would go to cops. And I remember watching cops and just being like, yeah, this was like programmed in and it's. Yeah.
1: yeah and, it's, and it's not if it exists, it's where it exists in us. It's not if we are racist, it's where Where is that manifesting in our lives? Because if it is true that as within, so without what we see out in the world in the one nervous system, the one nervous system, if it exists in the one nervous system and we are clear and connected beings, if we are connected to the one nervous system, then absolutely it exists in my nervous system. And so my job is like, where is it in my nervous system? And if it's in my subconscious mind, you know, Bruce Lipton's works brilliant because of that. Bruce Lipton is like 85 to 90% of our life. Mm -hmm. We run on our subconscious mind. We are just running a program. And maybe if we're lucky, 15% of the time we are awake conscious beings. And so what we need to do, what we're being called to do in this moment is pluck racism and race disparity and where we feel superior as white people and pluck it out of our subconscious mind and plunk it in our consciousness so that we can unwind it because it's running the show down here at least up here we get to be conscious of it and choose differently and then rewrite rewrite that program is how i see it
0: i really love that way of thinking about it and bringing in bruce lipton um mm. by the way you're a badass podcast guest because i did not bring you on to talk about this at all and <laughs> we were like, boom let's talk about the race situation and just like you're like yep all right i will go there um so one of the quotes that you talked about um when i heard you speak was by Cynthia O'Celli and I'll read it because I pulled it up it's just perfect and it said for seed to achieve its greatest expression it must come completely undone the shell cracks its insides come out and everything changes to someone who doesn't understand growth it would look like a complete destruction Can you talk to me a little bit about like what that quote how you feel like that quote applies to kind of everything we've been going through in 2020 and what it means to you and
1: Yes. Thank you for bringing that quote to this conversation because it matches mm-hmm. what is happening right now, I think, I believe. I see, I observe, and we are in no question we are in a rhythm of chaos. And we're in a season of winter for some people maybe winter coming into spring, but like we're in chaos and and the cheat sheet or the best friend that you want by your side in the season of chaos or the rhythm of chaos is an understanding that it is where we don't know um chaos is what we don't know that we don't know we have to completely let go and then we have to let go of letting go we have to surrender the shadow of chaos is confusion and so, what we know as chiropractors is what. What do you think happens to our nervous system in the rhythm of chaos? It's like wow. Like we either, depending on our history, depending on our trauma history, we're either going to, if we're fortunate, go into the sympathetic nervous system and stay in fight or flight, so we're still mobilized, or depending on our history, we're going to drop down into dorsal vagal tone and therefore become paralyzed and frozen and unable to move. And so we're going to be overtaken by the inertia of what is happening. So we become like stone and the the teaching of that quote, which is that for us to become who we truly can be and to, to achieve our full expression is that it's the cosmic joke, but this is what has to happen. Mm -hmm. We have to become completely undone because it's only Elizabeth Gilbert gives a great um, uh, teaching. Also, that real change, soul change, no one does by choice. It yep. is only have our backs so far against it walls. It's painful. painful. When your insides come oh. out, oh, yeah, please, I'm just gonna sign up for when my insides come out. It's like, no, do you know how much of my life I've been. I will put
0: that in like February 2021. That sounds like a good time to do that, yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, the beauty and the like, the like, how I'm looking at it right now is like, oh, you, all of you people are really lucky that this happened right now because you've all been quarantined. Like, it's like, I wish that when I went through chaos in this season, I I wish I was told to stay at home Mm. and physical distance, you know, it's like, but, but when it's so exposing, it's so vulnerable. And we will all, if we are truly living on our edge, if we are living on our edge, which is that that teeter point between comfort and discomfort, between um, stability and instability, between order and chaos, like we know that that is where transformation happens because that is where all the energy is and if we're truly living in the present moment that's where we are we are walking that line every day every day and to show up and choose to live on our edge is so it requires training is actually what it requires it requires training yeah it requires-
0: I have a question about this edge thing. <laughs> so, like, because I feel like so often what we hear is like you have to go into your discomfort zone, and mm. like it implies that I'm so far from my comfort.
1: But you say
0: on the edge. Can you say more? Yeah.
1: Yes. So, um, it's in a very important concept to understand especially what I've seen as I've been teaching the Nikau women's adjusting seminars. So for the last three years, I've been conducting essentially a social experiment with women weekend in, weekend out, traveling around the nation and putting them in the incubator to using air quotes, teach them like chiropractic adjustments, but it's completely an experiment around the psychology of the female mind. And you put a student in discomfort and layer them with expectation you will not get transformation You put a student in a really comfortable environment where they get to um, Choose to just watch and sit on the sidelines. You will not get transformation What you have to do and what a great teacher and a great environment will support is this is this edge experience so they have to if we take perfectionism, for example, so type A overachiever going to graduate school enrolled in a doctor of chiropractic, like they are more abundant than those that are not. So it's like you take a perfectionist and they're already more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like it's like reverse psychology. It's like they're already way too out of their comfort zone. And they're so far out of their comfort zone that their nervous system can't learn. And so if we put them in the middle and it's a term that Brene Brown uses, which is healthy stretching. So perfectionism comes from the root of I'm not good enough. And so if I externally validate myself by all of these skills externally, then I'm going to grab my self-worth from out there. You can grab all the skills you like and you do not pull the weight of I'm not good enough. Now, if you can put yourself on your edge in healthy stretch, healthy stretch comes from the root of, I know and feel that there's a power inside of me. I know and feel that I want to be of service to humanity. I know and feel that I am curious and intrigued and committed to this thing that I've seen cause magic in people's lives. And I want to feel that in my own hands. So, you put that seed and then you put them in an environment of playfulness, of acceptance, of approval, and celebration. You can see transformation between Saturday morning at 8 a.m. and 33 hours later when we close circle in these seminars at 5 p.m. on Sunday. It is awe inspiring what's possible. These women's lives change. It's not that their skill set changes. Their skill set is a byproduct a side effect of the fact that they have been celebrated in sisterhood for in an in a focused intentional environment. And what we know, it's like it's like Neo being plugged in to like the jujitsu program on on uh, the Matrix. Mm-hmm. It's an intense incubator of love-driven service where the brain can learn and uptake information and reprogram so quickly. And then we give them all of the resources so that they're not also worried about because they're overachiever will be like, how am I going to do how? And they're worried about the future because they're future oriented. Am I going to be good enough in the future? And to bring them planted into the present moment is also we, we have to speak to the educated mind. And again, chiropractic philosophy gives us that map. It's like, okay, let's take care of the educated mind, give you notes, give you strategies for the future, know that you've got community and you've got a place to come back to. This is not going away. So it gets them out of scarcity and then just plunk them in a playful environment that they want to be in. And I speak to them about where energy is because energy is required for, t- for transformation. And think about kids kids in the practice kids in my life my brother's kids it's like god like the the thing that parents want is like they just don't get tired they don't get tired until they've exhausted their metabolic like requirements or 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 or, or resources and then they just crash but the thing about kids is that kids are present they have no concept of time until the brain develops around six or seven when the left brain comes online And then they have this concept of forward and back. But until that point, they don't understand time. And so they are living moment to moment. And therefore, they have an abundant access to energy. And so when our students and when ourselves are starting to be in this fatigue cycle, all we have to ask ourselves is, where am I living? Where am I living? Am I too far in the past? Am I thinking about the past? Am I too far in the future? Because there's no energy there. Because that's a concept of the mind all of the energy resides in, in the now plane. Um, and so to do that in community, which these women's seminars provide is like, it's a supercharged incubator to teach you to experience something that you may have never experienced. And once your nervous system feels something, then you have a reference to go back to, which is the power of visualization, which is different to living in the past or future. That's it's intentional creation.
0: Yeah, Joe Dispenza. um, I was reading that a couple months ago, where he talked about in his book, um, his second, his most recent one, um, where he talked about how like humans are this very unique brain that you know. So if we're a deer and a wolf frightens us, we're scared, we are in fight or flight in that moment. But the deer, you know, two hours later, when it survives. Or 20 minutes later when it survives the attack and the wolf is gone isn't going like holy cow that was scary like it's not reliving that adrenaline and he's talking about how you know humans we do this and not only that but we live we release adrenaline imagining the next wolf attack where it's just like so we are just continually fueling this fight or flight because we're in the past, we're in the future. We're where rarely in the present, and then we wonder why we're all going through goddamn adrenal fatigue. Hmm.
1: Yes, and I think that's also the power of chiropractic. I'm like, we have the power in our hands and in our colleagues to be on the receiving end of that. Like regular chiropractic care, one of the best. Um, results as it brings you into the present moment more and more and more and more it trains the nervous system to be in safety and a nervous system in safety is more inclined to be here and now because it can be with its, its experience. Um, what we do, I think is just profound and is absolutely the, the modality of choice right now for anyone that knows what, what we do. It's like mind, body, spirit, like you name it. And we're doing all of it, whether we think we are or not.
0: <laughs> you mean as a chiropractor?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm with like, the adjustment?
0: Yes. <laughs> Isn't that easy, though, to like, be like, oh, man, I bet dr lauren you lauren not me like just listening to you it's so easy to be like man i bet her adjustments are just like a gazillion times better than me and i bet you <laughs> her patients just get it like and we're just like i suck as a chiropractor and it's like you're doing it whether you you know whether
1: you like it or not you and like that reminds me that reminds me of a saying of like don't let my greatness validate your mediocrity <laughs> i like It's like, cool. Is that fun for you over there? Thinking, you know, like not approving of yourself. Because as soon as you claim what is happening in your life is right, your entire state changes. You're like, all of a sudden you go from problems to possibilities. And all you have to do is approve of what is happening in your life is right.
0: Now, you say that's the same thing. Because you talk a lot about like, when you hit rock bottom, um, Mm -hmm. the first thing that you did was accepting. So you could actually kind of kick off rock bottom. Would you say that's the same thing that you're talking about or different?
1: Yeah. Because if we're just flailing, feeling like we're not like, social media is such a, it's like quicksand that you'll just suck you in and it's, and it's going to suck you in as either side, you're either going to feel inferior or superior, which is the, same like coin it's different of the same freaking coin and so social media for me is like dose dependent like i'll drop in drop out drop in drop out because i have a, i'm also accustomed to the human condition and that is i completely lost my train of thought so it can't be that important but um it's so <laughs> important to to when when we're looking at our life and feeling like it's not good enough or that we're not keeping up with the profession, our colleagues, what we're meant to be doing, like our profession is so inundated with patriarchal conditioning. Like there is a right way to be in practice. There is a wrong way to be in practice. There is the right amount of people to see. There's the wrong amount of people to see There's the right techniques to use. There's the right time to spend with a patient. It's like, it's so like the obstacles of The million ways you can feel crappy as a chiropractor.
0: Here Uh, they are. Oh, and then also, your birth wasn't natural. Like, oh, you had a C-section. You are not really that good of a chiropractor, obviously. You know, like we. we, Oh, you couldn't breastfeed for two years, like you're supposed to. Oh, you used formula. Gross. What? like we do chiropractor i have said this time and time again that i think email chiropractors we just carry so much expectation that nobody i don't know nobody put on us except
1: us yeah It's like the COVID, it's like, it's like this invisible gym that we're just like breathing in and we don't know it's there. And then we put on this like safety blanket on our face called a mask, which isn't doing shit. And we're expected to be in practice. And we look at the statistics, like we're 50% of the graduates and we're a quarter of the practicing chiropractors. Like how we are doing practice does not work for the female practitioner, they would rather not be in practice than adhere to the stupid made up rules that everyone unconsciously abides to. And of course we break. We don't think it's like, how long are you going to stay hanging out with someone that makes you feel like crap? Not that long. Well, if that's your profession or your mind, you're going to dip out and do something else. And I think what's so common with practicing chiropractors that are female is their chiropractors and their chiropractors and yoga teachers, they're chiropractors, and dance instructors, they're chiropractors, and there's always an and, and I've got, I don't have the answers to why there's only a quarter of practicing chiropractors. I don't have an answer to what's like the key to staying in practice as a female, you know, chiropractor. I teach chiropractors that are women. I'm committed to uplifting the women students, to providing them with a springboard to more possibility that's unique to them I don't have the answers like I'm in the experiment with them but what I'm noticing is that women there's not again to circle back to available energy for whatever reason there's no available energy for us there's not enough available energy for us solely in practice and so women it seems will will branch out. It's like we reach out a a hand or an arm or some type of like power cable to like, where can I plug in that's going to make me feel alive? Is is it an exercise studio? Is it a kid's, you know, teaching group? You know, whatever it is, it, it seems to be this theme that women are less likely to subscribe to the six day a week, five day a week, high volume. I'm in it to win it. You know, the blessing and the curse of the 21st century woman. It was like, I get to work and be at home. Oh, lucky me. Right. <laughs> I get three
0: jobs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I have no mentor, very few mentors for it. So, like, most of us, if you're a millennial listening, um, maybe your mom worked, but almost at l- always that career was like, second expected for her to not be like but I put my career first like if our moms were working it was like I will do I work out of the home but like I am first and foremost always a mother and then their moms were stayed home so we're like barely you know one to two generations removed from working full-time like career woman who's passionate about her career and her family and then we wonder like why do I feel like I'm fucking this up well because you're you're like bushwhacking your own trail like you're not following do you think that a lack of because you talk about like women how we as chiropractors reach out for energy into like other things do you think that that's because we don't have enough female mentors or like what do you oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean it's hard though I can think of so many right now.
1: I I can think of so many, but it's also like they're kind of like the token
0: female though. What's that? They're kind of like the token female, where it's like, well, I can think of a lot because you know they're kind of like hung in front of us at conference, like, look, we have a woman on the stage. Yes. It's not um common. Like you would never yeah. have Fifty percent women.
1: Well, maybe. No, it's and, it, and it's like uh, if we take the New Zealand governmental elections, if there was a woman on the ballot, we wouldn't, as a nation, be like, "Wow, I hope the woman wins." It's like, no, we've had women prime ministers since I was ten. In the United States, it's like, "Oh, I wonder if, if a woman is going to be the president." It's like, mm-hmm. "Wow, we see it in our profession." It's like, and we have to, we have to start to. To, to open our perspective of like what was DD and BJ's relationship to women like? I don't know. I haven't done that that curious reading. I'm not sure if I want to know, but you know it, it might be enlightening like what have, what is the conditioning in the structure of how our profession has grown and why is there these inherent issues right now? It's, and, and I would say we would see it right all the way back. We would say it right the way back that women have not been valued, women have not been educated as often or as frequently or as fully. they haven't been given the opportunities. And we haven't we haven't also, it's a it's a female problem too, because we also haven't shown up. And it's like so we're all playing the same game. And I was listening to a webinar the other day where it was like we have been conditioned to Because of our privilege, we have been conditioned that if we rock the boat, we will lose Mm -hmm. our access to our privilege. And so we are also oppressed because of our privilege. And so, and, and again, that comes back to the neural programming of our own brains, which is why chiropractors have the golden key to unlocking a better humanity because it's all based in scarcity of resources. Mm-hmm. Because if we truly believed, even as white people, as women, that there was equal opportunity and the sky's the limit, and I may have cracked that code somewhat moving to the United States, because I got to like hitch onto a a conditioned global belief system of the American dream. And I've used that for my advantage because my brain believes that in this country, the sky is the limit. And I do not believe I would have achieved this level of success in another country.
0: We have that going for us, I guess. Uh, yeah. So when we talk about, we we're kind of just talking about the female mentors, and like, what does it take for a woman to stay in practice? Like, we don't really know um, why there's only twenty five percent. And I think I would guess that part of the problem is that you know you talk about this patriarchal, like there's a right way to practice and a wrong way. There's the right number of patients to see, um, and it be is often being set here it goes I don't know how many minutes I'm pretty far in before I bring up the Enneagram I told you I would do it but male or female just in general a lot of the people that we see on stages starting podcasts giving things they tend to be Enneagram type threes it's just a, just a statistic I as a three I'm just saying like and you're also a three I anyway. am also three, yes. Although it's funny because when I was listening to your talk and about your whole, like, Cambodia and thing, I'm just, like, I identified the seven. I was like, mm mm-hmm. and you're talking about, like, i oh, just not feeling, and I'm like, mm mm-hmm, that's also characteristic of a seven and a three. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we're achievers. Like, naturally, um, we like to be on stage and achieving and so it's great because you know as females we're achieving a lot but the non-threes are going like but that looks like a lot of energy and I don't want to do that and so it's almost like I don't want to say I don't know how to say it I feel like the reason we don't see a lot of female mentors is because it's almost like we are doing the same thing of like, yeah, but look at you juggling it all, you know, like look at you being it all. And I can't be that. And so we don't see a ton of female mentors being like, Hey, I see 50 people a week, but I'm not going to work my ass off to get on a stage and tell you that I'm not going to work my ass off to have a podcast to be like, I'm super happy making 75,000, like, you know, like, and so we don't give them these other forms of what practice can be like. Do you agree or completely disagree? You're totally, totally allowed to disagree. (laughs) I I, I
1: completely agree. And I think that's also potentially why the women have gravitated toward my story, because what you just described is what I've chosen to do in practice and on and I think because we don't see a lot of that which is my story is there's an assumption that that's not how I run my practice there's the assumption that that's not how I live my life and it's interesting that you bring up the seven because recently I retook the Enneagram test and it came out as a seven and I was like well shoot am I three or seven three or a seven but that also speaks to something that has very much been a present energy in my career, which is this, like, it's like, I'm almost in this, like, fist fight or this, like, tug of war of, do I want to, like, completely dive into my three achiever? And then I'll get down that road and I'll be like, oh, can I just, like, sell all my things and put all myself in a backpack and go surf for three months? And And I've done that and I've done that again and again and again. And I think, now in my ninth year of practice and in my early thirties, it's like, okay, I'm starting to get more integration back with those two aspects of myself. Like young, when I was younger, they were more polarized. And yep. now it's like moving from that. It's not this or that. It's like this and that. And, and that's where I really do like shut down my exposure to social media because social media is like a three platform. Yes. You know, and, and so I'm like, like, I don't know. I think
0: you might be because you know a, a big reason that um, sevens can still be mistyped as threes. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. you're mistyped or whatever. I'm just saying, uh, I'm not- I definitely I had to research threes versus sevens because I kept mm-hmm. getting similar uh, things that would come up where it's like I'm a three, I'm a seven, and the biggest differentiator is that a seven can go, like needs an experience. And so they, sometimes they end up becoming very achiever oriented because they're like, and now I'm going to write a book and now I'm going to do this. And it's like, ah, but sevens don't tend to need the recognition. They Mm -hmm. don't tend to need the applause that a three does a three Mm -hmm. typically really needs the world to see. Like Mm -hmm. Look at me doing all these things, it's
1: not enough just to be done. So, um, that made that, re- that resonates in terms of like the arc that I feel like psychologically I've taken from ex like the journey from being externally validated to internally validated. Mm-hmm. It's like as I've sat more and more into my essential nature, I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, it just doesn't serve you
0: as much as we were told that it would serve us, right? Like I had that exact um, feeling in practice, probably like four years ago now, where it was just like, well, once I get to 300 people a week, I'll be happy. Well, once you get to 400 people a week, you'll be happy. Well, once you get to 500 people a week, you'll be happy. And I really just wasn't. Um, I wasn't happy, but I was told I would be. And that's when so much shifting of like how much external validation I needed and like needed to start switching to that. What is my version of successful practice looks like? Um and how do I incorporate that freedom into it? So we kind of skipped over your story a little bit. Um, <laughs> sometimes I laugh and I'm like, I'm the worst podcast host ever. Um <laughs> but what, you know, we've, we've alluded to like you hitting rock bottom, we've alluded to you going to Asia. Give us the, give us the short, the short story for those that don't know you.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I graduated, I, I grew up in, in New Zealand and went to the New Zealand College of Chiropractic and I was a young graduate because in New Zealand, you can go straight from high school. And so it's a five-year program that if you know exactly what you want to do, you can go straight at 18. So I had classmates that were 22 graduating. Wow. I, I was a full-time cyclist before I went to chiropractic school. So I was racing with the New Zealand Women's National Team. And we were based in Boulder, Colorado, which now is 30 minutes up the road. And so I spent a number of years racing in the United States as a full-time athlete using chiropractic care. For performance. And as I got more and more into practices and seeing my own recovery, and then also seeing how these chiropractors were so fulfilled in their jobs and seeing happy and healthy people, I was like, well, that looks exactly like what I want to do. And so I finished up racing here after getting two concussions and went back to New Zealand and was under a scholarship program to go through the chiropractic, my chiropractic studies. And so I graduated at 24. And at that point it was like, well, I don't want to go from a five-year program to just signing a contract for two years. And I certainly don't want to like set up shop and never move again, which was the advice from my chiropractor. How do you run a successful practice? You open up and never move. I was like, could you just put handcuffs on me right now? (laughs) That sounds like my version of living hell. Um, and so I started locuming, and locuming is like being a coverage doc. And I did maternity leave coverages. I did vacation coverage. I did injury coverage. And so I spent the following like New four Zealand or five years or US in New Zealand and also in England. And so okay. I sat the board exams for England. I sat the board exams for Canada. My partner was Canadian at the time, and because. The American exams fell within a month of the um, American exams. I took the American exams at the same time. So when I graduated, I had the whole globe really covered in terms of board exams. And yeah, and so I would travel up into Asia. I spent a year just backpacking around Asia until I ran out of money, which was my intention. And I think I called mum from Bali and was like, I ran out of money and I need to come home. <laughs> and so, you know, I got like 400 bucks or whatever it was and got a flight back to New Zealand and then looked after practice for three weeks, had more money than I had five months prior. And I just lived this cycle of adventure and spent time in an ashram and just immersed myself in yoga and spirituality and Buddhist countries and was a chiropractor on the side, you know, everyone backpacking has had usually has actually had like a history of chiropractic care. So when they meet, um, formally, you know, formally trained chiropractor, they will utilize us when you're in these foreign countries. And so I would just, I just did that for many years. I ended up meeting my partner who was American, which is how I ended up in Denver, Colorado. And then I moved here five years ago, fell under the wing of Dr. John Martinez and traveled and worked alongside him, um, which is just a phenomenal mentor to land on the other side of the planet. And, and if you're not familiar with Dr. John, he runs numerous seminars, the Dow, Chiropractic with Eric Rubin. And that's very much in the lineage of Dr. Sue Brown, who I studied alongside, Valerie Pinaccio, Katina Manning, the BGI world. Arno's work, like I'd never met Arno, but I was exposed to MLS and their training as a student, and so there's been all of these webs that have just been weaving me and them to land in a, you know, a rock bottom um, experience where I was going through a divorce. I was over here in the United States. I'd started a practice. I was sick I had broken my back snowboarding like all of this happened like in a three-month window and it was from that explosion or implosion in my life that I leaned on sisterhood and it was through sisterhood that I that I rose and that I that I regained strength but in a new way than I'd ever experienced before and that was how Nikau Talks Um, began which was a live podcast that I did here in Denver interviewing women entrepreneurs in the in the healthcare industry it's how I started NECA retreats I took a group of practice members um, down back to Cambodia and started to experience that I started doing the Mexico retreats where it's just for female chiropractors and showing them the power of sisterhood in service and then of course the nationwide Women's focused um, adjusting seminars, which have just caught like wildfire. Um, I joke that I called it the NICAR Women's Adjusting Seminar. Like, it's not even something fancy. It's not like fundamentals or elementals or roots or you know. It's like this is a women's adjusting seminar, and it just sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out. And it's like, wow, like women are so poorly resourced that you give them a space and a place to come with someone that's put their heart and soul into creating an easier um, path for them. It's it's been the it's been the greatest blessing um, to do this work and to sit in circle, you know, month in month out with our women chiropractors. I think the future of our profession is is so bright. I really don't worry about. It. I look at the mess, you know, up and out where we're all sitting, but what's coming up below us? They're way more switched on than. Oh my god! Like I learn more from them than they learn from me. I'm sure. Yeah, I've heard multiple,
0: multiple times from um, intuitive healers that talk about how like the next generation is coming to heal. Like Mm. they're coming to heal us. And like, as we're entering into the Aquarian age and like just all of this, that is, you know, it's not promised to be easy, but it is promised to be work and moving. Uh, I've experienced the same thing with the podcast. Where like, mm. I kind of, I did try and come up with a clever name, but I don't think the name is, I literally could have said a woman chiropractor podcast. And I think that people would have yes. been like, yes, mm-hmm. I'm
1: on it. Following. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: So how has, um, I'm assuming you don't have any retreats on
1: the schedule. Like you're still doing the adjusting seminars, right? Or like what's I- going on this year? Yeah, I'm still doing the adjusting seminars and I do have retreats on the books. And usually it's a spring surf and service. So every spring, the Nikau Surf and Service trip goes down to Sayulita, which is on the Pacific coast in Mexico. And we spend the most incredible week and it's life changing. It's my most favorite week of the year. We adjust three days out of the seven that we're there and we swim and rest and. I teach the, the, the morning program of, of mindfulness and how to prepare ourselves to be a greatest service in our life to ourselves and our loved ones. And so now it's the full surf and service. Uh, so it's rescheduled to August and obviously pending travel restrictions and things like that. Um, and if it happens, great. We've got a full book. Um, of women ready and waiting to get on that registration is reopened because it is now in full. So if it does um, pique anyone's interest to jump on um, the website and, and fire off an application form. Um, but yeah, it's still like, really, it's so important to me to open the door for travel for the women in our profession, because usually it's just that one experience of, Oh, Mexico is not that scary. Oh, being in a Latin culture is not that scary. It's like, Oh, you know, you can get by like really well through sign language. You can get a taxi, you can get, you know, a bus, you can order food and you just don't know what you don't know. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of fun to take those, take those trips for, for those that are experienced travelers and, and, and not, um, yeah. And then the women's adjusting seminar is just, you know, such a love of mine. So we'll be in Dallas in July I'll be co-teaching with Katina Manning in um, August uh, at Life University in Atlanta. And then we'll hit Life West and Kansas City before the end of the year. But wow. that's, that's generally the second. The
0: so what is, so you, did you say you just kind of opened Nical Chiropractic?
1: yeah great time to reopen and practice um yeah I opened three weeks before Colorado
0: reopened so was it this before yes okay tell me
1: yeah great so um I opened my practice here in Denver four or five years ago when I first moved here and then the end of 2018 the women's adjusting seminar was so successful And I was in practice five days a week and I would fly out on a Thursday night or a Friday morning and teach Friday night, teach Saturday, teach Sunday, fly back Sunday night, be in practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, sometimes Friday morning, fly out, teach. And I was doing this on a rotation and because I was so inspired by it, it was effortless and it was so... um, yeah, it was so energizing, but I knew it wasn't a long-term strategy. And so I had an associate with me and the opportunity, it was like, it was a giant ex- experiment. I was like, what would this be like if I actually gave it my salt focus for six months? Mm-hmm. So I gave all of my patients to my associate. I took sabbatical for six months and that was the beginning of 2019. And I think I took 30 flights in 20 weeks taught 10 Nikao events in those five months and the program exploded. It absolutely exploded. And so did I. And so did I, I had never experienced that level of transformation, freedom, abundance ever. I didn't have the programming to like, I now understand why lotto winners will win the lotto and be back to where they're, they, they're like previous setting you know within five years um, I did not have the operating system for that level of impact influence um, mobility and yeah and I just and I came back and, and was just a mess it was completely undone It was completely undone. My insides had completely come out and I really like crawled into a hole for four months and went to practice and just tried to rebuild my life again. Um, And to date that has been the most harrowing journey Um, and never would I have expected it to have come from success rather than um, devastation. So,
0: Finding a balance sounds like so what finding a balance like to a balance <laughs> be like, okay, I still do need the security of um of my patients and absolutely um and having that brick and mortar to step yes. into. Um but you also need so what does that look like now for you? Like if you could paint perfect. Um yeah. what would that look like? for you going forward, because we talked about how we don't have many, um, women showing different options of like, yeah, you can do that and this, like, mm-hmm. so what would be perfect, whether or not you're actually doing it now anyways?
1: Yeah, I do believe I'm doing it now. Like now is the happiest I've ever been in my life. And it feels like it's like what I didn't realize before is that I would built a house of cards, Um, and now it's like, there's such deep roots, And I understand what I value, what I need. And it's much like my teachings from like meditation practice or morning and mindfulness practice. The point is not to enjoy meditation. Your point isn't to like sit down and be like, oh, this is so fun. This is such a nice part of my day. No, it's the it's the thing you do because it allows everything else to flow effortlessly with ease, grace, and joy. And so what I've learned is that. Being in practice is a requirement for my well-being. And even though I, it doesn't give me the high highs, like traveling around and joining in circle with women and, and being in sisterhood and watching lives change before my eyes, it's like the, the pace of practice, the pace of transformation in practice is much slower. You know, it happens over three months, six months, one year, because you're taking a practice member through a care plan. And it's like, mm-hmm. it requires a different gear for me. Whereas yep. before like I'm in first year or fifth year, like I'm flooring it or I'm like lying on the beach. Like, it wasn't a very sophisticated nervous system. Now through, through my own season of reckoning is I have much more bandwidth for the full spectrum of human experience, the full spectrum of, of human emotion. And now I can be with, Practice in a way that I haven't been able to before, which is I have to be okay with the slower pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, it actually allows me to really enjoy being in practice. And so now it's four days a week, one weekend a month. I travel and teach. I know that I can't do back-to-back weekends. Um, all these things that you don't know until you try them. And right? You're like, well, that was bad. That was a bad idea. That was really <laughs> bad. <laughs> well, I think you know. Um, I
0: don't know if you've learned much about the six, but like, it seems like the Enneagram six, but like a three goes to six in growth and sixes uh. are, they're much more this evolved, like content with their group of women that they've like found in the sisterhood. And I don't think, I think
1: maybe. I right. maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, are you going to be, um, you spoke at her story last year, right? I did
1: are yeah. you going this year? No, I am not. I I'm. Yeah, that was such an interesting time to be asked to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. because it was in the wake of being completely demolished, and so that's where it comes back full circle to like we will be asked as leaders to do things that are so far beyond our personal preference. And what 2019 taught me was that what I was being called to do was so far beyond my personal preference, and so to show up in the name of a soul knowing. And I knew that, like, getting on that stage for me, all I had to do was show up, and that was enough for me. If I walked onto that stage, and it did not matter what came out of my mouth, like I was proud of, of, of me, and and I think if, if For the women listening, it's like we're all leaders in our own lives and we will be asked to show up at times that we absolutely don't want to. We don't think we can. We are questioning our value, our worth, our trust in the universe. Like all of that was on the surface for me. But the amount of times that I've actually heard in the last six months... Oh, you're talking making history. And I'm like, I have no idea what, what it's say? Completely black. Um, but I'm glad it was helpful. I'm so glad it was helpful. And we just never know, you know, the impact we're making on people when we show up vul- in a vulnerable, raw, and relatable space.
0: Yeah, it's tough to show up vulnerable. You, you know, you have to risk being embarrassed. And then, but like, I can't tell. Um, you, know, how many times that I've said something on an episode or on social media that was vulnerable and people were like, that was really helpful. Like, thanks. So it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, shoot. I was hoping you were going this year because I'm going and I wanted to, I'm like, all right, how am I going to get to meet her in person? But
1: well, I mean, let's, let's, let's give them a shout out. When is it? Where is it?
0: Oh shit.
1: October. You don't know. <laughs> I'm going. I'm this this is much
0: more where I'm like, what month is it? I'll book a flight in September.
1: Yeah, or, I'll book a flight two weeks. Before. I might be
0: going to someplace in Mexico
1: in August, but the only problem is I can't surf. I've tried really hard. I'm terrible. Common misconception that the surf and service trip requires you to be out of surf. <laughs> like I think I, what I've come to is that I have such a tight psoas that
0: I can't do the pop-up. You can't pop. You can't hip hop. Girl, no, you can't hip hop. I can't. I'm really real. Oh yeah. I'm just really inflexible. So it's like me pulling my leg up is like, yeah, it's contortion. So, okay, well maybe if I don't have to surf,
1: but, but I want to surf the seven in me. wants it, it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun paddling around on boards and all being terrible. And that's the spirit of sisterhood. It's like there's zero requirement for you to be good at anything. It's yeah. like the requirement is to show up and just to like be your childlike self. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, mm-hmm. tell
0: people where they can, um, like your website, how to follow you, how to fill out that application.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in upcoming events, best place is the website, com. And if you're interested in following me more personally, social media at Dr. Lauren Kodak on Instagram, Lauren Kodak on Facebook, it'll be around this podcast, how you spell all this. I know that question almost seems like obsolete.
0: Like Mm -hmm. it used to, you know, like you listen to podcasts from a long time ago and it's always like, tell people how to follow you. And I have to figure out a different, like, if I even need to ask that at the end, because it's just kind of like, I don't know, Google my name. Like I'm Seriously. on everywhere. That's, that's what happens. Like I have yet to have somebody who's like, well, I'm actually not on Instagram. If you right. me, I'm not there, or if you Google me, you won't find me. You could uh, write me a
1: letter. Exactly. Colorado. So you know exactly.
0: send, e- send inquiries to 113. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I just, it's hard because like, that question and the other question, I, or the thing I hate, is uh, thanks for coming on the show. Like, and so I'm trying to figure out like different ways around it. And the last two podcasts, you and Dr. Tamara, I just didn't. And so then we just started talking. And then it's awkward because like a half hour in, it's like, by the way, this is Dr. Lauren Kodak. <laughs> no intro. No intro. I will do a recorded intro, especially in this scenario where I'll be like, okay.
1: Hey, okay, I'll... I'll know I've made it now that I don't even have an introduction. Like I've officially made it. So thank you.
0: Don't even need to tell your stories. Just assumed everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows. Thank you so much. Um, Absolute pleasure um, talking to you and learning from you and just hearing what you have to say. You're really Mm -hmm. cool. Really, really cool. Um, This really fun thank and you have a chance to you know we'll see each other in person probably in 2020 this year is right yeah, yeah so
1: fingers crossed I would love
0: that yeah. all right well um yeah so Dr Lauren Kodike, go find her follow her um, maybe go to Mexico me in August if that we're allowed to do that um and until next week she Slayers bye <music>